Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm so glad you can join me today as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more and have more. So welcome to episode 107. I have a great guest today, Liz Fosline or Elizabeth Fosline. And uh, we have a great conversation. um, And I'll tell you more about that here in a moment. But I would love to connect with you on Instagram. That is the platform I am focusing on. And recently I did make a switch to my handle. I was using at Pecoraro Tim and then someone brought to my attention, hey, you already have at Tim Pecoraro. So that's what I have. I'm using at Tim Pecoraro. And if you go to the bio, you will be able to see all the other links to things that I do in the bio section um, with a great tool I'm using called Linktree. So those of you who have, you know, lots of things that you are trying to point people to, go check out Linktree. It's really cool. And don't forget, you can go to amazon.com and look up the gazelle planner. I still use mine. I love my planner. It keeps me living into my day. Um, It helps me with my projects that I'm working on. It's very simple. It's not overdone. You don't have to jump all over the place in it. It's just simple. It's practical. And I love the gazelle planner. And Kathy Fothery, the creator, has been so nice. This is a non-monetized spot, by the way. This is me because I believe in it. And supporting someone I think is doing something amazing and helping people live into their day. But you can, she gave us a coupon code for the show. It's going uphill, all one word. So when you go to Amazon and you go to check out in the coupon code section, type in all one word, not case sensitive, going uphill and receive a discount on your planner. So don't forget to do that as well as if you would like to be a guest on the show or you know someone that would make a great guest on the show, go to uphillconversations.co and scroll down a little ways. You'll see a guest submission link to uh, fill out this form, send it over. I'll take a look at it. And if it's a good fit, we will get you on the show or who you recommend to be on the show. But today's guest, Liz Fossling, um, very refreshing conversation. Let me tell you a Quickly about Liz. Liz is the author and illustrator of No Hard Feelings, The Secret Power of Embracing Emotions at Work. Her work has been featured by The Economist, The Financial Times, NPR, and CNN. Liz spent the past three years designing and facilitating workshops that empowered executives at LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, BlackRock, and Nike to build cultures of belonging. Previously, she led product and community projects at Genius and ran statistical analysis at the aptly named analysis group. She starts each day by eating yogurt and reading abstracts from recently published academic papers. She's really, really cool, very insightful, very down to earth. And I love how she continues daily to embark on her journey for her work that she wants to do forever, the forever work and fulfillment. And she really pursues that. And you can tell in this conversation that this is a person that is living out uh, their potential and continuing to discover more about themselves daily, but also bringing ways to improve our own lives, um, bringing them to us with her co-author 
Molly West Duffy for the book No Hard Feelings. So without any further delay, let me let this interview speak for itself, but great conversation. And um, I think you're going to really come to appreciate Liz Fossling. So here it is. Check it out. Welcome to the show, Liz. I am so glad that you are with me today. So tell me about how life is going for you on the other coast of the United States. It's good. Um, we're just getting into our winter is rainy season. So that's just starting here. Um, but it was for the past couple of weeks, we had the horrible smoke coming in from the fire. Um, so that's all cleared up. And I think the fire has been contained. So that's been the biggest thing on the West Coast. But it really reminds you to be grateful for clean air for just a regular day without um any disasters happening. Yeah, I bet. Um, what's that like emotionally? I mean, when you're thinking about it, I mean, I'm, of course, you're compassionate and empathetic and sympathetic to those around you. But even for you, though, what's it like wondering, like, how far will this come? I mean, is it nerve wracking? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing has just been given how bad the smoke is here, I'm in San Francisco and we're still pretty far from where the fire was, uh, just like how crazy it must have been there. And then another thing was we were just, I think San Francisco at one point became the worst air quality in the world. Um, but it wasn't that far off from like a Beijing. And so really starting to understand that this is something like I'm inside wearing a mask and this is the air quality that some people in the world breathe every single day. Um, wow. so I think it was, it was like really an empathy exercise. Wow. Have you ever seen yeah. that video? Speaking of empathy, um, that Brene Brown has and it's the oh, cartoon. I love her. Yeah. Have, have you seen those cartoons? That is so yeah, great. She's great. Yeah. It, yeah. She's great. And for those of you listening, I'll put that in the show notes so you can go look at this video. I mean, it's one of the best explanations of empathy, you know, visually and even just what she's saying is just unbelievable. Very impactful. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, so why don't you tell, um, the guests or our listeners, sorry, about you, the guest, and just uh, more about you and um, how you're showing up in the world. Cool. Yeah. So I just co-authored and then illustrated a book and it looks at emotions and more specifically emotions in the workplace. Um, and so we can go into this a bit more later on, but generally I got the job when I was younger that I always thought I wanted and then ended up totally burning out and couldn't understand why. And it was a lot of emotions that caused that. And so that really led to this pretty intense period of self-exploration, um, trying to understand like what happened, what about the job wasn't great for me, what could I have done better? Um, and I also come, I think growing up, I was pretty emotionally closed off. So that was this really crazy experience for me of whoa, feelings matter and they matter so much that they're going to manifest physically and they're not something that you can just ignore or power through. And then as I read more about emotion, realizing that like they're not something you should ignore. Um, they're not even something that you need to like manage or take control over. They're actually super valuable signals about your life and your interests and kind of what is the best state for your mind and body to be in. Um, and so the book goes into a lot of that. And then my co-author, uh, Molly, and I, we really tried to make it as practical and actionable as possible. Um, my big thing is whenever I'm reading a book or an article, I, I'm probably more on the impatient side. So I really want to know, like, what can I do right away to start changing my life? Or, like, what are some things I can try? Um, so it's also filled with really specific tips 
Um, and just to give one as an example that I've started doing, um, I don't remember, I think a friend told me about this, which is, it can be really hard to receive negative feedback. Um, and I think especially in the creative process, kind of a natural part of that is just feeling bad sometimes, like you don't have ideas or it's, it's hard to generate anything. And so, um, there we recommend keeping a smile file, which is just a folder of all the nice things people say to you. That can be emails, texts. You can just take a note of something someone verbally says. And so when you're going through these difficult periods, just opening that up again and reminding yourself like bad periods are finite. There's all these other amazing things about you. You've had wonderful experiences. You will have them again. Um, so stuff like that, we try to pepper throughout the book. Um, and yeah, everything I've tried and that's some of it's worked. I think it's all individual to what works for you. You know, I find it interesting, you know, you talked about going through that period where, you know, you landed this job and it was like, you know, your dream job and mm-hmm. come to find out maybe it was still the dream job, but it wasn't the dream job for you. Right. So like you're going through that or something goes wrong or something's not right and it just doesn't work out. And so for whatever reason, there's a necessary ending, right? It's finished. And you said you're left with these feelings and your, these emotions and you did a lot of introspection and all of that. Can you, can you unpack that a little bit more? Like what was that process like not to go revisit maybe some dormant places or try to get you to unlock, (laughs) you know, some scary place or nothing, but, but just for those who are listening, because you're doing what a lot of people think about, but they don't really spend time actually getting down in it and really working with it without it actually becoming, you know, a ball and chain around their neck and pulling them to the bottom. Right. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that period of introspection, knowing instead of it turning into complete and utter disappointment, but how did it propel you? What you learned, how did it keep you moving forward? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I, it definitely was complete and utter disappointment at one point. Uh, and I think one of the things that's really important is to maybe breathe in that a little bit. Um, and you know, negative emotions are indicators. It's important to realize like something went wrong here and it might've been beyond my control. It might be something within my control. Usually it's a balance of both. It might skew more one way or the other, but it's important to recognize that and also kind of take ownership of what did, you know, like did, did I get into the situation? Did I have miscalibrated expectations? And I think that's really important. Um, for me it was because when I left this job, I, you know, I need to work. I want to work. I want a job I care about. And so it was really scary thinking about applying to any other job because I had so miscalculated how I would feel in this job. Um, and so I think I needed to really go through that period of being upset and being sad and feeling really down, um, to, it, it forced me to really explore again, you know, what had gone wrong here and then how can I change that so that it doesn't happen again? So I would say part of life is you're going to have failures and you're going to go through difficult periods. And those periods are kind of our, often our body and our mind telling us like, Hey, slow down. Everything needs to slow down for a little bit so that you can analyze your situation um, and make sure I'd say in your words that you, you know, you, you switch to more uphill activities, uh, and that you're not going to keep sabotaging yourself in the future. So for me, it was really, I realized that, 
Um, a lot of the work that I was doing, I was in an office and extremely removed from the people that my work was affecting. And so I realized like, I want to be more, you know, client facing or just like, I really missed social interaction. Um, and I want something that where I can see like the direct impact on the world where it feels like really meaningful to me. And a really big part of that is also just being creative, like making something tangible is, you know, I think illustrations in the book, like that feels so natural and amazing to me that I don't even consider it work really. Um, and so I think if I hadn't felt so down, I don't know that I would have ever slowed down to realize that. And then those realizations allowed me to make change that, I'm really happy now with my work um, and where I am in life. And, and I attribute a lot of that to this period of reflection. I mean, that's, well, thank you so much, first of all, for sharing in such a, you know, being very open and real with it. And I love that you're, you know, you're, the key that you're saying is the change, you know, mm. you know, change is hard, right? But I guess it's your point of view. It, you know, we're not going to take away the fact that it's hard. It's just how you're going to look at it. And, and, and you realize that it is a necessity if you want to move forward, it is something, but it's also a great place to discover that when you're put in these places that you can discover what it is that you actually do want. And if you wouldn't have had this interruption, you know, uninvited interruption uh, into your world, you would have missed such a wonderful discovery that, as you said, and I believe you are kind of, I see a lot of introverted writing stuff. <laughs> you know, you talk about yeah. introverts and stuff. So I'm not sure if you're a self-described introvert or not, but but you want social interaction. And I, I let people know all the time that just because you're introverted doesn't mean those people are like they, they're closed off. They just, it's just their personality type. It's who they are, but they can want social interaction as well. But I love that you discovered in whatever situation it was or however it unfolded, you took that time for introspection. You realized that, you know, I want to make some adjustments. I want to make change. You want to explore what went wrong, what changed, what happened for the change in order for you to step forward into that next direction. And I love that there's the fulfillment component that you discovered, that it's you're doing what you love and you get paid. It's not I get paid. And yeah. I kind of like this, right? You're yeah. it's and you get paid, and yeah. but, but it's this fulfillment part that I am really curious about because you said, you know, as an author, illustrator, and a design consultant, your work centers on making people happier and more fulfilled at work. And you said this is what you want to do forever. And I'm thinking of like Marky Mark going forever <laughs> <laughs> in one of his movies, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but but how, getting to that point of being, because I can tell you this, like what I do, I tell people I want to spend the rest of my life helping people unlock their potential. It's mm -hmm. it's clear there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it, right? It's, yeah. it's all, the only place I want to be. People, I wake up thinking about people all day long. It's people, and I go to bed thinking about people. And I dream about people. Like it's just always there. And what can they possibly do and unlock? But getting to that point, and this forever statement, when did it click? When did it hit? When did you know this was it? Was there anything special? Was there a moment that you can, I'm sure it was many moments, but is there one that you can share with us and the listeners that would be like, yes, Tim, I remember this time and I was like, this is it. Yeah, I think what comes to me most vividly is 
just realizing it was maybe a Tuesday. And I mean, I think this is the point is that I didn't really remember what day it was for a moment. And that was this crazy feeling of, wow, I used to live for the weekend. And I would just be like, okay, it's Tuesday. I have three more days or it's Tuesday (laughs) at noon. I have three and a half more days or I have like, you know, there's a meeting this afternoon. So the the meeting will go like the afternoon will go by quickly. And then it was just always (laughs) counting down and like being so aware of when I would be free again. Um, and I, and yeah, I just, I remember I had no idea what day it was and it didn't matter. Like it was a Monday, it was a Sunday, it was a Saturday. I just felt this like, and again, you I still have days where it's just like a slog. Um, I think, you know, any work, the nature of work is that sometimes it's not going to be amazing, even if you love what you do. Right. But I think it's, it was really that I, you know, whatever it's, it doesn't matter what day it is. I'm not like living for any specific point in the future. Um, and I've always said, I think that you can realize that you are like truly successful, not just financially, but that you have found something that you love and that drives you. If when you go on vacation, you come back and you're excited to come back and dive into your regular life. And that was another thing. Like I would go on vacation and it would just be like day one of vacation was just a countdown (laughs) till the end of vacation. Yeah. And so now, you know, I, I just, I feel like I'm really living in the present and that is, I, I think it's wonderful. And I think that's a powerful statement living in the present and, you know, obviously our past, you know, is our history. Our current is obviously where we are and our future is where we ultimately want to go, but we can't be stuck in either of the past nor the future. We can't do that. We have to live in the present. We have to, you know, learn and grow, but we have to also allow ourselves to have enough presence to build. I mean, that's what it is. It's today that builds tomorrow anyway. Right. Isn't, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's been a big realization for me too, is, uh, the kind of the power of just little things. And that when you're living in the present and you're kind of focusing on what am I doing today, <clears throat> that that is, if you can sustain that, and I think it's easier to sustain that if you do something you really enjoy, how, just how far you can get. Um, I think, I think that we live in a society and I definitely operated under this when I was younger, which is like, I need everything right now <laughs> today. Um, yeah. And like that, I mean, and that's also how success is presented to us. You know, it's like, Oh, overnight, this startup sold for billions of dollars or overnight, this movie star exploded onto the scene. And that's almost never what actually happened. <laughs> yeah. It's the popcorn, popcorn syndrome, three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there, not only do you not have to punch in three minutes on your microwave, there's a button that just says popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's and and that's problem. still not fast enough. Do you ever notice yeah. that? It's still, yeah. you're like, how long is it going to take this popcorn? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. And, and overnight, you know, I think we all have that. We want it. And then what's bad is the world is kind of putting it out there. It's like everything is a hack. And so those are the people that are listening. I'm not dogging people that tell you about hack. I think there's probably some good hacks and, but I'm talking about just the hack. I don't want to hack anything. To me, that's the equivalent of breaking and entering, right? Yeah. I want to go through the process. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because I want to internalize the things that I'm doing. I want to know what it is. I want it to become a part of me. And Mm -hmm. I think because we're we're getting so hack-minded, so push-one-button-minded, so it's like email was supposed to become something that would alleviate 
you know, stuff in our day and pressure and time. And it's an easier way to communicate. Now it's almost like you can't get out of your inbox. And so where you think you've created more space, there isn't more space because all you've done is fill it up. And I know one of your nouns is you're a minimalist, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? But isn't it crazy? Because people forget the fact that work expands, life expands, things expand, expand. The only thing that doesn't expand is time. You know, and we only have so much of it. And so we have to understand these principles, I think, to, you know, and get better at understanding. But I think we need to get better at just, as you said earlier, and again, present, be present and really get into enjoying the moments that you actually have that are in front of you. Um, You know, one of the things that really stood out to me as well about you, and I want to jump into this book here in a minute. So I just want people to kind of hear you and understand, you know, how you think and how are you showing up. But you you want to encourage people to approach difficult feelings and situations with empathy for themselves, right? And mm-hmm. and you want them to experience like moments of delight in everything that they do. Talk about that for yourself and and how can people do this? Yeah, I, like I said, uh, growing up, I, my parents are both academics, um, and immigrated from Northern Europe. And so I think that combo was just like emotion was not a thing that we expressed frequently. Um, and so it just, it, I I think I really operated under this false dichotomy that emotion is on one side and then reason is on the other side. And I mm. think that's such a poisonous viewpoint. Um, cause they're, they're like very intricately linked. Um, and so I think the biggest, I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I hope people get from this book is just about permission. Um, and it sucks that this is something that we still have to talk about and, and give or allow people to have. But for me, it was, yeah, I think just realizing like, oh, my emotions are valuable signals. They're not things that I should be ignoring. And it's also whoever you are, regardless of circumstance, you have emotion. It's just who, it's what makes us human. And so trying to pretend like we don't have them is almost ridiculous. Um, And so just the, the permission for me was so valuable. And there's lots of research that shows that when we're anxious or when we feel depressed, the worst thing we can do is beat ourselves up for that. Mm. And so people who are able to get through those periods or, or at least it doesn't affect them so much are the ones that just acknowledge it and say like, you know, I'm kind of anxious. And this is again, part of the human condition. Um, I think there's also such a pressure and I, I definitely felt this, um, especially I would say among Americans, like you never say I'm fine. If you say I'm fine, it means I'm really mad. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. um, Things aren't going well. So you have to say like, I'm great. I'm amazing. Work is going so well. I'm crushing it. All of these. So why are you at this conference? How to improve my life? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I think that, so then we, we, if we all keep saying that to each other and I, you know, social media, there's a lot of research that shows like the more time you spend going through other people's like really curated feeds, the worse you feel about your own life, because it's rare that people are vulnerable enough to say, right. um, and, and I think that that's again with this permission, like it's, if you, and it, for me, like I still have days where I wake up and I'm just anxious or I have days where I'm a little blue. And I've just learned to be like, that's fine. I'm still a generally happy person. I like what I do. My friends still care about me. It's not, it doesn't detract anything about my self-worth. It's just that for whatever reason today, I'm feeling a little off. 
and I'll wake up tomorrow and probably feel okay again. And I think that just, it, it lets you kind of like breathe through it more easily. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're saying it's giving yourself permission. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, we're so critical on ourselves and we're judging ourselves. Like, wait a second. And it's mostly because we have some sort of impression or, you know, illusion of what it's supposed to be because of what we are seeing around us Mm -hmm. instead of realizing that, wait a second, you know, they have this too. Maybe they're just not willing to admit it. So instead of getting caught up there, I'm going to step out of that and go, and I like what you said. It's like, you know what? I'm a little blue or I'm a little down, but the quickest way up to me is, is motion. You got to start yeah. moving because if not, you're going to ruminate on that. And then yeah. that's going to attach itself to something else. And then anything, it's almost like you become a, you know, it's like a, what is it? A, 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 the moth to a light, you know, it's like yeah. all these negative things will come. And it's like, it's almost like we, it's like we attracted everything that could possibly go wrong in that day. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I mean, this is, I think the importance of just building in these small habits that are helping you get towards the goal you want. So again, like when I was younger, I used to, so I would get sad one day and then I would beat myself up and be like, Oh my God, am I like clinically depressed? Am I ever going to be happy again? And then I would just anything I'd planned to do that day, I wouldn't do. Cause I was like, I'm sad. It's like the day is over. It's ruined. And now I'm just like, okay, I don't feel that great. But I know that the way to feel better is one, to just like keep going about my life. And two, to like just do things that will move you towards a happier place. And so you just want to like increase the chances that you wake up the next day and feel great. And so for me, one of those things is um, like when I do illustration work, I think I, so an example is in the past, I would probably draw something and then have a bad day and put it aside and never come back to it again, or like never show it to anyone. And now I'm just like, I need to keep drawing. I need to keep producing, even if it's nothing like I'm also when you, so when you haven't slept well, when you are anxious, you see everything as worse than it is. From that lens, right? Yeah, totally. And I think this is such a key part of the creative process. I think anyone who's created something has at one point been like, I hate this so much. (laughs) And then you keep working on it and you come back to it the next day or a week later. You're like, oh, I love this is not that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's just the acknowledgement of like, don't this moment, how I feel is fine. I can feel whatever, but it shouldn't like affect all of my actions. Like I'm just going to stick to the plan and then have faith that that will carry me through to something better. Right. It's not a total and complete diagnosis of your whole life. It's something that should be acknowledged, but only so you can move beyond it. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and look at it, listen to it. Um, so my fascination, you know, there are several things that, um, uh, you know, I am a visual person. Um, like, you know, a lot of books I read, I, for me, it's like a pop-up book in my head. So mm. just knowing that you're illustrating stuff that I'm also very into, stuff, you know, the science, psychology, that type of stuff, neuroscience, you know, how the brain works, how feelings are, the, you know, the, the dopamine, all of the things that are involved in, in humans, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're illustrating this. And because for me, that is like happy spot. Like you're, this book, and I can't wait for it to come out, um, this no hard feelings, the secret power of embracing emotion at work. I love it because I'm a, you know, as a coach daily, I work with individuals. I have individual coaching clients that I work with, but mostly I love to go into organizations, help them 
create a healthy organization for their competitive advantage beyond their service and their product, right? Beyond all the things that everybody pays attention to. I want it to be the people part. And then I like to work with the teams and the leaders. And so this, just the book alone, just I can't wait to get my hands you know, on it. But talk about you and Molly coming together. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I, I read your story, how you two met and you hit it off and you connected and, and all of this, but your two worlds are so different, but they're an amazing compliment. It's an element of completion, you know, um, talk about that. And then how did you land on doing this together? Yeah. So first I, I, I love the, your focus kind of on the leaders and the individuals. Um, I think, that's so important to like creating a healthy organization is really to talk to people as people and not always just as like a worker bee. Yeah. Tasks. Um, but that's awesome. Do yeah. your job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How can we make you more productive? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Molly, I lived in New York and I, for two years and I moved there from San Francisco and then lived there and now have moved back to the West coast. Um, and I was really nervous about, I had all these, uh, probably stereotypes about like, Oh, people are going to be so mean, you know, I'm going to be like this foreigner. (laughs) Um, and I just can't handle like super abrasive New Yorkers. And so I emailed (laughs) like everyone I knew on the West coast and was like, I just need friends in New York. Set me up on friend dates. Just like anyone, you know, who you think is cool. (laughs) I need like a safety net in the city. (laughs) Um, and one of those people was Molly and we, yeah, we, it was one of those like, I like platonic instant connections. Right. Um, and we're, I mean, on some levels, we are really similar. We're both introverts. We both really like to produce things. So she had had been writing a lot about culture in the workplace. Um, we both have like really intense sleep routines to help us like optimize our sleep schedule. Oh my gosh, uh, you have a sleep chamber. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I've created one, like there's white noise machines, there's earplugs, there's, you know, sleep masks, all of this. Um, but, and then, yeah, I think we just decided to try something together. Cause I was drawing cartoons and, and again, explore, like reading a lot about psychology in the workplace and she was writing about it. So we worked on an article that was, um, the six, I think six illustrations that show what it's like in an introvert's head. And that was a combo of, you know, introverts brains are wired slightly differently than extroverts. And then they also thrive in different environments. And how do you bridge that communication gap? And that article did, it was posted on quiet revolution, which is Susan Kane who wrote quiet, the kind of seminal book on introverts. It's her, uh, online platform. And, so there it just did really well and people seem to really respond to this this uh combo of illustration and science and and advice. And I think again there I think so much of it is is when we talk about the workplace and when we talk about um neuroscience it's often it's just like a textbook of like an avalanche of stats and it feels really serious. And I don't think that does a service to the research. Um, it doesn't have to be serious. Like it can be really fun and lighthearted and at the same time contain a lot of information. And so that's really, that combo made us think that like this book could be a wonderful project to work on together. Um, but not to mention the accessibility 
Mm. Because it's something that people can actually they they can get they can get into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like in on your on your website you have you have great resources. Like, I love the one on you know getting feedback, all the different little things that you guys put together that are on there in the in your blog section. Which all the listeners, these will be in the show notes. Go check this stuff out. But what I love is you've given people access to it because not everybody can go that deep. A lot of that stuff, you know, people get lost in the wires. It's like, whoa, what's going on? But I think what you've done is you've really taken some very complicated things and simplified them. And that's what we need. I mean, really science, that's what the goal of science is, is to take very complex things and bring it down into a simple form so that we can work with it. I mean, that's what it should be, but you're presenting it and you're doing it with visual I think it helps people to identify, associate themselves there, to see themselves in it, to put themselves into the picture versus reading about something and trying to figure out where they fit into the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that was a plug totally. for your book. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I need to write that down and use it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think another another big thing we tried to keep in mind was was – Unfortunately, emotion and especially emotion at the workplace is kind of a scary topic to address because people like we've never been taught how to talk about it. And so I think if you can approach it with affection and start with humor, it just diffuses the tension. So, for example, I have a friend and she had to give or she had to give a member of her team some really hard feedback and they're a great employee. They have a friendship, but she still was like, I just don't even know how to start talking about this. And like, I want to talk with our team broader on, on a broader level about how do we want to give each other feedback? And she was like, I just, it's so hard to figure out a way to have this conversation without everyone being like really tense and scared about where it's going. And then I showed her, we have, you know, one of the, one of the illustrations is just like different types of feedback. And it has like the Oreo, which is two nice things around a negative thing. And then we just extrapolated that into like cookie dough, which is, you know, really unfiltered raw feelings. And then there's uh, the most controversial one is the oatmeal raisin cookie, which is like really great feedback with some like really nasty things sprinkled in. And that people are like, I love raisins. That's not nasty. (laughs) But I think even if that's what starts the conversation is looking at this illustration as a team and, and then debating like whether you like oatmeal raisin cookies or not, I think that is such a more fun way to get into feedback than to sit everyone at the table and be like, we are going to talk about everything we're doing wrong. Um, and so that's our hope too, is that it's, it just lets people relax a little into these conversations that might normally be difficult. Right. And you would think that that's what most organizations want because this is where people are spending the majority of their time daily is right. at work. You know, I mean, that's where they are. And so remember, I mean, we're all like, I'm a believer that I want to build one person to do everything else. And I have different hats. Those are just my roles that I have. So no matter who you are, whether you're a friend, you know, it's a spouse or a neighbor or a father, son, whatever it is, if you could build one person and work on that person and bring that person into the room and know Mm -hmm. the good, bad, ugly, indifferent, all of those things about you. But bring it with, you know, with a, with a growth mindset, knowing that my experiences aren't going to define me. It's what I do with them and how, Mm -hmm. you know, and what I'm experiencing in the room, but, but also keeping myself curious and allowing myself to, 
you know, really engage, being an active listener, listening to understand these types of things. So with all of that, I love what you're saying because when you get people talking about cookies, what's nice, (laughs) and all of what I just said, what's nice is you're pushing aside all this other stuff. And at the end of the day, you're bringing it back to what it really is, is I need you and you need me. What we can do together you know, we can do amazing things together. We can do greater things together than we can apart. And so if it has to start with a cookie, then then do that. Because how can you get to deeper levels of trust, greater levels of accountability, greater levels of commitment, um, and ultimately greater levels of people wanting to accomplish things and achieve collective results that are good for everyone instead of just for an individual? You're never going to get there. Totally. Yeah. So it starts with a cookie. It starts with a cookie. Yeah. (laughs) There's a great saying. I can't remember. I'm failing on attribution here. I didn't come up with it, but there's a great saying I heard recently that was like, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you have to go together. Yes. Um, And I think that applies so much to to work uh, as well. But so, so learning to see emotions. So part of like, even with that illustration, so this book, it's, mm-hmm. it's got the, the neuroscience, it's got the, the, you know, you're, you're focusing on leadership and people and even managers and interaction and all of this stuff. But these illustrations, the marrying of them to, to bring them together to obviously illustrate what's being written. Um, but I like the how-to part of it. Talk more about making sure there was enough, for example, try this. Yeah. Again, so for me, I always love, and and I, I agree with you. So first to talk about hacks, like I, I really don't like when someone's like, this is the one hack that's going to change your life. Yeah. Because first of all, like there's just not a one size fits all solution, especially when it comes to emotions. Like they're so affected by your experience, um, the framework that you bring. And also, you know, just there's so many different things that, that form a single person and their experience. So Uh, none of these are presented as like, this will solve your life, but they're all like, here are some really actionable things you can try and take the ones that work for you and the ones that don't maybe like tell someone else, maybe it'll work for them. Um, but yeah, so we try in every section to give at the end, like some really clear bullet points, um, or for example, in the chapter on decision-making. So each chapter is around like a central component of work. So decision-making communication, teamwork, And in the decision-making chapter, we talk a lot there about how when you're making a decision, it's really important to acknowledge all the emotions you're feeling so that you can filter out like which ones are useful to the decisions and which ones are not. So if I'm like, I've been in traffic and I'm really stressed because I was just sitting in traffic for two hours. Which you have traffic there. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. So much traffic. I'm very familiar with traffic. Um, yeah, but but if if then I try and make a decision and I don't first stop and say I'm frustrated, but it's not about the decision, it's just because of this horrible congestion, then I'm going to let that anger and frustration seep into my decision-making process as opposed to being like I need to set it aside so that I can have a clear head. And if I just don't pay attention to anything I'm feeling, like that again that anger is going to stick its tentacles and I'm going to into my decision-making and I'm going to make a worse decision. So in that chapter at the end we have like just a checklist of stop before you make the decision, write down everything you're feeling. 
now go through and try and figure out like which of these are irrelevant to the decision and which of these might be relevant. So if I think about not taking a job and I feel deep regret, that's an important emotion and I should listen to that. Um, so really trying to give people kind of a, a roadmap for here's, here's the research and then here's how you could implement this and, and here's how you can turn these into like some great habits that will help you in your life. And I love that. And as you're forming those habits, one of the things that you shared with me um, uh, in your uh, form that you sent over was basically that emotions, you know, it's a different point of view. They're not your enemy and, you know, that need to, you know, be wrangled into submission. I love the way you put that, <laughs> you know, cause in my mind, I'm seeing people running around with like lassos trying to like put it around the neck and, <laughs> you know, wrestle it and then tie its legs up, you know? Um, yeah. but it's, you know, but they're potential guideposts. And so, you know, and there's, they tell a story, right? they they give you indicators. They have a voice. They're, they're with all of us. They're in all of us. And it's, so you're helping people. I would say the way I'm viewing this and what I'm hearing from you you know, emotional intelligence is something that is there for all of us to develop and continue to cultivate and get better at, right? So it's the application of that emo emotional intelligence. You're helping people understand that there is room for your emotions and you with others. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, one of the, to me, one of the best examples of kind of a really gross feeling emotion that we want to tie up with a lasso and throw in the closet is envy. Um, I think, you know, there's, it feels bad to be really jealous of someone. Uh, and yet the people that you're envious of are usually people that have something figured out that you really want. And so there's a signal in there. Like when I, you know, when I really didn't like this job and burnt out, and then I just looked through all these different people that I knew or are online. Um, and I thought, like, who am I envious of? And it was always really creative people. And that was a signal that, like, oh, that's something that I want. And so I'm envious because I want to have that too. And so there's still, you know, it, I, instead of just being like, I shouldn't be envious, it's like horrible and beating myself up about it. It's more like, I'm not going to let this affect how I treat anyone, but I'm going to realize that I might want to sort of shift my life so that it has more of what this person has that I'm responding to so much. Right. It's like I, I told a guy one time and he was, you know, I'm jealous of this and I wish I had that. And he'd see a car, man, no fair. He would say these things. And I would say, mm -hmm. I said to him one time, I said, get out of the car, out of my car. He was with me and he, and I, and I, and he was like, what are you doing? I said, just get out, go stand by that car. Uh -huh. And I'm like, why? And he's like, why? And I was like, because I want you to just go stand by that car. So he stood by the car. I took my phone and I took a picture and I said, I'm texting this to you. And he was like, well, why are you doing that? And I said, because I want you to have an image of what it is that you would like to have in your life. But now you get to go figure out what it is that you need to do to mm. get there. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's such a great example. You know, and, and so and so instead of you sitting there about fairness and this and that, like you're caught up on the wrong things, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so maybe the real signal is I would like that too. And so, and then, and I said to him, I said, and if the guy came out, I would walk over to the guy and say, hey, curious, love your car. Tell me what you do to get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, stop sitting there talking behind the guy's back about, you know, yeah. wishing you had what he had. Stop envying this stuff and go have a conversation and say, I want to know you. Yeah, I, I love that story. I mean, I think in that too is such, it just, for me, it made me think of 
I think it's if someone, especially in your work life, just has something that you really want, a great thing to do is just ask them like, hey, can you be my mentor? Because obviously you've figured something out that I haven't and I want to figure it out too. So just, I love that perspective switch as opposed to like, ugh, this person, seeing them instead as like someone who can just teach you a lot. Right. And there's something that you talked about and I want to pull this out of the book because, you know, as it relates to emotions and I love this, the, the, um, interview it's enter Mm. plus interview. And, you know, um, I do, you know, I like to, you know, I tell HR people because when they see me come in there, the first question is, what is this guy doing here? You you know what I mean? And (laughs) I'm like, I'm not here. I'm another element of completion to your world. I'm here as a coach and my, I want to help unlock this potential. I want to help move the middle. I want to help shift paradigms. I want to help put emphasis back on people. I want to put emphasis on trust and collective results and those types of things. I want to help people that feel like they have no power to understand. It's not power over or power under it's power within that you can lead from within. You are the CEO of your job. I want to help people know what leadership looks like in the spot that they are so that if they ever have the opportunity to be in charge, right, that Mm -hmm. they know how to work with it, right? So I love this because so many times I get asked questions by HR people. And I use these six words, it's six virtues that I like to use that are very open-ended questions that you ask to discover, you know, if a person is, you know, are they humble? Are they hungry? Mm. Right? Are mm-hmm. they smart? Right? And then also, do they understand sacrifice? Um, do they understand purity of motives? And what does their emotional intelligence look like? Right? So these are virtues that I like to kind of use. But I loved because so many people, if you go to Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, right, or somewhere yeah. wherever, the, you and you're going to be on campus, like there are signs. As you're coming up, your name is on it. They welcome you. You come in if you're new hire. Like the way they make a person feel before they ever get in the door is amazing. And this yeah. interview that you're talking about, talk, just share that with the audience about the interview. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love what you said. I think really good onboarding starts way before the person ever gets in the room. Um, and, and so I, I love the example of having signs, but yeah, so the interview is, <clears throat> it's again, the combination of enter and interview. And it's based on this idea that has very much held true for me, which is when you get a job offer. So you're about to join a company, they offer you a job you are elated, right? Like you're just, it's so exciting. Um, you're about to embark on a new adventure. You feel really validated. Um, and there's just so much possibility in your future. And then for many people, and again, very much for me, the closer the start date came, if you're not hearing anything from the company, you just have so much time. I mean, talk about like sitting around and and like creating (laughs) space for negative thoughts. You're just like, so it was all a joke. (laughs) No, so like, yeah, I'll give myself as an example. I just somehow I end up in this place where I'm like, like, I don't, am I qualified? Like, did I somehow trick them in the interview? Like, do they, maybe they just have this totally wrong impression of me. Am I going to get anything done? Like, what if I am horrible at it? And then, so by the time that I start, instead of being really excited and having all of that excitement carrying me into an amazing first week, I'm just like racked with insecurity and like experiencing extreme imposter syndrome. Mm. And that's when you, you think that you don't actually belong there. Like you're about to get fired and you don't deserve anything that you've been given. 
um, which is really horrible for productivity, let alone like happiness or just, I think also it it affects your behavior. Like you're probably, if that's how you're thinking of yourself, you're not going to respond as warmly to other people reaching out to you. And so what some companies have started doing is they want to make your first moment at the company like as great as possible. And so research at Google shows that new hires who receive a really warm welcome from their manager, they're more productive even like nine months after their start date. So these first impressions are so crucial. So the interview is uh, often when you interview at a company, you interview with more than one person. So anyone who interviewed the new hire writes on a postcard or on a post-it, just anywhere, they write, um, one, what they really loved learning about the person during the interview, two, what skills they're super excited for that person to bring to the company, and three, something they'd love to learn about that person. And it can, or like, an, in, in addition to everything that they already know. And so what I love is that instead of coming to your desk and being scared and not knowing what to do, and I think often just like, setting up your email or having to slog through like a 401k booklet or healthcare. I mean, these, it's just like, it's none of that makes you feel. No one's excited. excited. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have any real background or knowledge of, of, of health insurance. And so it immediately makes you feel incompetent too. Cause you're like, what am I looking at? Um, and so if instead you just see all these really lovely notes from your team, and it just, it validates you. It brings you back to that excitement. It reminds you like, no, they actually, I have skills that they need. And I think it just does so much to change the environment and the mood of that entry into the company. And it's, um, this is a perfect segue because one of the things you say is let's, you know, you let's talk about bringing, you know, your best self to work. Right. Yeah. And, and your best, your, your best self is not, a lot of, you know, it's not your skills. It's not just, you know, your talent and your, your abilities. I mean, your best self is like all of you and you're actually helping a person come in with that. They're coming in with that same excitement of when they got the offer letter, you're helping them to really feel like, and not only that, like, wow, these people have, they listened to me. They already paid attention to me. And you know what I mean? You're celebrating this person, you know, it's, Mm. it's a great way to enter in like, such a great and wonderful way. And yeah, it's, I, I love it. Yeah. Instead of, like you said, the paperwork and the, Oh, it's your 401k <laughs> and all the other stuff and here, watch this video. And, and unfortunately most people aren't prepared for people on their first day. They're yeah. just not ready for them. And it also says that I really made the right decision because not only, you know, are they saying I'm the right person for the job, but these people are actually prepared for me day one to step in, you know what I mean? And engage me at the human level before they just find out about my skills and my capabilities and, you know, and the manifestation of those things. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that too in the book, how these small actions send really big signals about, we want you to, to thrive here. Um, and so, yeah, I think, and they get some of these little things are just like spelling people's names correctly, learning how to pronounce someone's name correctly. <laughs> um, you know, just like taking the time to ask, how's, you know, how's it going? Uh, is there anything I could be doing to support you? Like, these are just really small questions and behaviors. And again, I think that speaks to like, it's not going to take someone that much time to write a post-it note. You know, um, you know, but, the stuff you're talking about, everybody wants, but people won't do it. Like you're really a very, I'm glad this book is coming out because people, I'm not kidding. 
they all would like this, but they won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they yeah. want to be treated. It's to me, it's like, oh, you, you, you want care and kindness and love you go first. Yeah. Well, I mean, but yeah, I fully agree. I think like such a crucial part of this is not just sitting back and be like, I want to work in a better environment. It's just like, how can I model behavior? How can I like positively reinforce that behavior in someone else? And so I think one of the things too, is that people say they want all these things. And then when they get it, they don't thank the person or they don't appreciate it. And it's, I think it's a really big, like if someone says, you know, like, so my name, full name is Elizabeth spelled with an S instead of a Z. So it's L I L I can't just can't spell it. L I S A V E T H. Wow. Huge blank. Um, and so I'd like, I've had people misspell it. And then the people that then figure that I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry that I misspelled your name. I'm always like, no pro like, it's really not a big deal, but I really appreciate you bringing it up and like, you know, taking the time to correct it. And so I think that's just like, if you want to see that behavior in other people, you also need to make it awesome for them to behave in that way. So true. I mean, it's so it's once again, it is elevating to me, I think the most important, valuable resource available to every one of us is another human being. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And we've just, we have to elevate that. There's a book. I can't remember the author and, um, but it's love, you know, love is the killer app and, Mm. you know, everyone's so used to apps and all this stuff and, you know, um, and we understand that concept, but, and, but we're so afraid to like bring that into the workplace. As you said, it's just, and I love that you guys are breaking that barrier down, you know, with this book. So the release is January, what? January 22nd. Um, it'll, that's when you can hold it in your hand, but you can pre-order right on Amazon. You can, yeah, you can pre-order it now. Uh, it's called no hard feelings, the secret power of embracing emotions at work and yeah, filled with cartoons, tips, research, anecdotes, stories. So I think it, it hopefully has something for anyone, no matter kind of where you work or what your role is or kind of where you want to head with your career. And when people get this book, what would you say for you? I know you can't speak for Molly, but mm-hmm. for you, what are you hoping? If you could say the biggest takeaway for folks when they read this book, what would you hope that they grasp and they get? I think it's just like feel feelings. Um, and and again, distinguishing like feeling feelings doesn't mean act on those feelings. Like we're not saying become a feelings fire hose and just like immediately start telling everyone everything that's on your mind, but like be kind to yourself and give yourself permission to feel things. And then you have to start there if you're going to, to change your behavior because, you know, life is just better when you're not beating yourself up all the time. And when you are listening to what your mind and body are telling you. Wow. So good. Now, what are three things you're optimistic about over the next 12 months, personal and or professional? Oh, okay. So personal, I'm optimistic. I love to run, but I had a knee injury. So I'm optimistic about that slowly healing. I think that was also a great uh, reminder for me of the importance of taking, you know, pacing yourself (laughs) and not immediately being like, I'm going to run 20 miles tomorrow. Um, so I'm excited to kind of get back into that rhythm. Um, I'm thrilled for the book to come out on a professional level. Uh, just, it's really cool to, 
I'm excited for someone to hold it in their hands and hopefully like really love it and respond positively to it. And then I'm, I'm excited that to, to bring it all home that the fires in California seem to be contained. Um, and that it, it seems to have like sparked a conversation about how do we prevent something like this from happening again? Yeah. Well, that is, those are great. And, um, and I think they're, very, um, those are quality to me, quality things to be thinking about and be pursuing. Now, as far as your handle at Liz and Molly, that's on Instagram and you have amazing illustrations there and your website, right? What, is there any other place that folks can engage more of you? I think those are the main ones. Um, yeah. Instagram for illustrations. If you go to the website, you can also sign up for our newsletter that comes out once a month. We don't spam people. It's it's just yeah, the best you have of that. what we found. I love that. You have on there. We promise we won't yeah. something like <laughs> like basically blow up your inbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean like you know, like you mentioned that inboxes are just like it they expand. And yeah. so we're trying not to contribute to that <laughs> yeah. too badly. Thank you. And I and I have signed up for it and it is true. I can honestly say it's not, I don't get like something. And what I love is you're not sending constant offers. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we will. Let me tell we- you about my new hack. Here's how you <laughs> hack your emotions. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to get some hate mail from that. <laughs> Let me help you hack your emotions. <laughs> Feeling sad? Let me show you the hack. Um, so um, lastly, um, you know, uh, for you and, 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 and Molly, I just want to say, I just really appreciate, um, your willingness to step out into like, it's more of a blue ocean of thinking and, and you're, you're, you guys are bringing something to the table that are, that is, um, it's, it is a unique offering. And so, um, I know people have tried different things like, you know, the napkin book and other, you know, things, but I love how you're bringing this together and focusing even on the workplace. And I love how you're bringing up emotions because, you know, we do need this, you know, this psychological safety. We need that. We need emotional safety. We need a lot of these things at work. It's not just higher wages. I think that's important. There's so many things that are important, right? But I love that this is dedicated um, and done in such um, a new way. It's very refreshing. Um, I'm a big Tasha Yurik fan, and I love the book Insight, yeah. and I'm, and I love the work that she's doing for organizations as well and individuals. But I really love your fresh take, and I just want to, you know, I want the audience to get the book. You can send me some books. You guys can sign them too, and I'll give them away to my audience as well if that's an option, um, as well, because um, I love giving away stuff. But really, share that with Molly as well. That, um, you know, I can't wait to read it, and I can't wait to just take some of this information and I will honestly tell you it's worth it to bring in and add it to, uh, you know, the way I already do things and help people get better. I mean, I would even encourage companies to buy in bulk for their teams, you know, buy these, buy this book. I haven't even read it yet, but just, (laughs) just what I've seen, your illustrations, your Instagram, once again, the way you do things, it is so well done. Thank you so much. Yeah, we will definitely send you some books, uh, both for you and then for your listeners. Uh, we love giveaways. We want this to be in as many people's hands as possible. And then I'll just also say that I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I think such a big part of this too is just like, you know, having a platform and having people advocate for it if they think it's important. So 
it's a mutual thankful thankfulness here. <laughs> well, I'm going to pass you on to a few other podcast friends of mine that um, in they're in different locations in the world that I think you you guys that you they their audience needs to hear from you guys as well. So, and I would like to do something maybe where you and Molly could join me when the book comes out and yeah, we could do something. Awesome. That would be a fun conversation to have. And then I have I'll have read the book and I'll be able to sing some things out there for you guys to break down. So, thank awesome. you. You've been awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. So this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember you can be more, do more, and have more. Your reasons for being, doing, and having are for you to figure out and no one else. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future and it never will. And anything worth having is uphill, but you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, you will see people like me and Liz on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.